We're back here on the big show, KTGR, KTGR.com, in the KTGR app with Andy, Brendan, and producer Chris. And uh, what a football weekend it was, of course, with the long Thanksgiving weekend. And college football was certainly entertaining all weekend long. And here to talk with us about it is our college football expert, Bill Connolly, over at ESPN. You can find him on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C. And get your plus subscription to ESPN.com to read his stuff over at uh, ESPN+. Plus. Let's uh, we'll get to a lot of the playoff stuff here in a second, Bill. But let's start with Mizzou. Wow, um, I, I mean, it, it seemed pretty lopsided from the start. The third quarter happened to make it even more so. Uh, Mizzou just seemed to have everything clicking, and and yes, Arkansas had some some injuries that were very key uh, that that kind of helped it that way. But man, Mizzou certainly did not mess around in a game that they needed to have to keep the New Year's Six alive. Yeah, and, and they were in control even early. Obviously, they benefited from uh, the, the Jefferson injury. But, you know, against Florida, it was really noticeable. The defense especially was just – it felt like the defense was trying too hard. They were going for big hits instead of actually making tackles. It felt like they missed more tackles than they had in a long time. And they responded to that with their most controlled effort of the year. Like, obviously, Jefferson would have made a difference. There was no way he was keeping that game close, though. Instead of 41 nothing or whatever, maybe it's, you know, 34-14 to 14 or something. But um, the, the control that they played with right up until the brawl and then afterward again uh, was, was very, very noticeable, and it won them the game. Yeah, it was uh, certainly uh, back uh, at that point. You were thinking about uh, the tide maybe turning one way or the other, but the Mizzou made sure it just didn't happen. And uh, yep. again, uh, with with that type of game and that performance to finish off a ten and two season, I mean, you're you're starting at the beginning of the year, hoping to maybe take a few steps forward, maybe seven, eight wins. But but now that uh, the regular season's done, and we look back at what Mizzou really put together, especially on offense, to kind of get to this point, what's been the the biggest thing that stood out to you and how it happened. Yeah, the offense coming together, especially after those first two games. I, I think just, um, you know, they figured out uh, that you know, they opened, they were able to open up the passing game a little bit there over the second half of September, and, and it helped them obviously a ton against Memphis and Kansas State and in those early games. Uh, and then as the year went on, the, the offensive line kind of growing into itself a little bit and then being able to just pound away with Cody Schrader, it got to the point where whatever you were good at, they were going to have an answer for it because they could just do the other thing, uh, and, and they were going to be able to move the ball. They even, I mean, even against Georgia, you know, Schrader ran the ball well. And so um, – it, it, it was. They just they, they problem solved really well this season, uh, and and uh, they they reaped the benefits of it. And, and of course, you know, there was some good fortune along the way. Obviously, you don't want to count on a sixty-one yard field goal, even if you've got a kicker who can make one. And over these last four years now, it, it, you know that first year they went three. They were a pretty bad team, but went three and zero in the one score games and kind of propped them up. Then they got better the next two years, but they were four and seven in the one score games, and that kind of held them down. And then they got a lot better this year and got the bounces in the in the close game. You know, the good fortune there, and so it all it all came together. That's the way you want it. Like I think you take a couple of years of close losses for when you know, when you get the break that happens with your best team. That worked out pretty well. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. And so now uh, they, they sit back this week, they look at how the championship games play out, and that pretty much uh, determines where their fate might be as far as uh, uh, one of the New Year's Six Bowls. And, and I guess uh, th- there has to be an absolutely chaotic scenario that would that would possibly leave them out, but I wonder if that's even a, a possibility right now, Bill, uh, in that sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, if Louisville wins and Oklahoma State wins, um, you know, that eats up a couple spots. Um but but it is going to be and Iowa, I guess. You know, if if all three of those teams win, then there's a chance that they get they get the last spot or the first spot outside the, uh, of the New Year's Six. But you know, that's obviously you know like a two percent chance of happening. Even though Louisville obviously is facing a wounded Florida State, uh, the thought of them winning and Oklahoma State and Iowa all winning. Not great. So you figure their odds are, you know, 90-something percent of getting into a New Year's Six Bowl at this point. And, and you know, you read the scenarios uh, from all the writers and whatnot, you see pretty much every possibility here as far as which bowl and, and who you're playing against and whatever. But you don't really worry about that right now when you haven't been in a major bowl since uh, 2013, I guess. Then, you know, you don't really care, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, it's a good thing to be in at the very least. Now, if you were kind of selfishly looking at uh, from Mizzou's perspective, Bill, and you were looking at some of the potential opponents in whatever bullet might be, whether it's Fiesta or Cotton or anything, who would you want to face? Uh, or what kind of matchup would you want to see this Mizzou team take on? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on your ambition level. If you want a borderline top five finish, I, I do think Tulane's not quite as good as they were last year. They kind of, they've, They've hit the gas these last couple of games, so maybe they were just pulling a Georgia and saving themselves or whatever. But I don't think they're quite as strong as the team that beat USC last season. So if you're looking for you know an 11th win and top five, six, seven, eight uh, finish, then then you go with that. But um, you know, obviously, of the teams we know that were uh, that are going to be there, the, you know, Penn State is kind of an intriguing matchup. Uh, very very solid defense. It'd be really interesting to see how Missouri Mizzou tried to move the ball, but you know, Penn State offensive that doesn't make many big. Plays plays either um really i think when you've got a team as physically talented and a, and a major bowl opportunity that that's pretty rare yeah i think you just want the biggest name you can get um tulane you know beat tulane that, that's good but you know if they want to throw ohio state or penn state at you that's uh, you're you're capable of competing so why not for sure. Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. All right. To, to some of the other action from, from this weekend. Of course, everyone had their eyes on, on the game, Ohio State and Michigan. And, and once again, the Wolverines, uh, uh, pull out a, a big win in that game and they're in the uh, Big Ten championship as a result. So I, I wonder, Bill, I mean, the rankings come out tomorrow night. I would think Michigan probably is still at two or maybe they make a case that they could be at one and hopping Georgia after this weekend. But maybe more importantly, how far do you think Ohio State falls from uh, that loss here? Yeah, that's the main thing. Even if Michigan, you know, whether it's Michigan, Georgia, or Georgia, Michigan, doesn't really matter all that much. The the key piece is does Ohio State just fall to the top of the one loss pile? Uh, do they fall below Oregon? I think they should fall be- below Oregon, honestly. I, I just think, you know, resume and just pure quality. Um, I, I think they, I think Oregon belongs ahead of them. But uh, if they do p- fall behind Oregon, do they fall behind Texas? You know, like exactly where do you draw that line? Because they just lost, you know, by one score again, uh, on the road against the number two team in the country. They're not falling far. I do think they need to fall to fifth, though. I, I do think Oregon should be ahead of them. Um, and, and we'll see. Or Sorry, sixth. I guess that would be sixth. Yeah. Uh, but I, I would. I think Oregon should be ahead of them. I'm not sure they will be. And, and, of course, it probably doesn't matter because then if Oregon beats Washington the next week, they're probably in anyway. Yeah. Uh, but that is the major question I have. For sure, and and we'll we'll see what the committee feels about that, and it very well could determine in a chaos scenario whether Ohio State backs their way in in, in, yeah. in some way, shape, or form. Now, uh, 
let's maybe talk about potential chaos scenarios. I mean, uh, Florida State and and Michigan and Georgia. Uh, I mean, it, it's winning they're in. If they're undefeated conference champs, that's uh, that's its own thing. But out of that group, maybe uh, who do you think is most likely to to have some trouble and potentially fall from the mantle, creating that uh, uncertainty of who might be in over whom? Yeah, I mean, obviously. Like, yeah, there are, there are three major upset games here. Um, you know, I, I can't even really, you know, Georgia, Alabama is going to be interesting. And, and I don't know what happens to Alabama if they do win and how far they rise. Uh, but yeah, obviously the major chaos scenarios involve um, those other ones. Uh, you know, Washington, Oregon, obviously you, you think we're looking at a, a win in your end situation, but Florida state, uh, they, you know, they are, they're still favored. I think they should probably uh, have more advantages uh, without Jordan Travis, but if they lose, then yeah, you open up kind of a, an interesting scenario of, do you go with Texas? Do you go with, uh, you know, if Alabama wins or, or, you know, that opens the door and I'm not exactly sure how the, that next part plays out. And of course, then, you know, you've got Texas, um, you know, playing, playing an Oklahoma State team that just, uh, you know, enjoys adversity so much that it creates a lot for itself in every game, it seems. And, and I told my editor, like, uh, the one thing I'm sure about is that Texas will be ahead 24-7 in the second quarter. But after that, somebody's going on a 31-3 run, and I don't know which team it's going to be. Uh, Oklahoma State's either going to win, win outright or lose by 50. Uh, but if they win outright – you know, Alabama, if they don't win, you know, if Texas loses, like suddenly you almost have no choice, I think, but to have Iowa or Ohio State, excuse me, back in the mix. So, yeah, the whole theme of this year has been lots of excitement and few upsets. And if the upsets don't happen this week, then we kind of know how this is all going to look. This could be extremely straightforward, but it wouldn't take there. Are, it wouldn't take more than like one major upset and maybe a minor upset to, to make things awfully wild here at the very, very end. Very well could end up being uh, chaotic at the very end, but it also uh, could be very easy uh, with all those undefeated teams at the top. I think the one thing we do know, Bill, and you kind of alluded to it, is the fact that Oregon and Washington, probably just one of them, uh, are going yeah. on into uh, the playoff, which makes that such a, a very interesting game on, on a Friday night uh, with how Oregon really stomped on a, a top yeah. 20 team in Oregon State and then Washington just kind of sneaking by in their last game against Washington State. I know there were both rivalries, but uh, I mean, it seems that Oregon is trending in the way that they might be able to win the, the game that ultimately matters against the team that, that beat them earlier. But I wonder just with the Washington factor of how they've been able to just win games ugly sometimes, what, yeah. what, what what's kind of way you see this one? Yeah, I mean, in terms of maturity and perseverance and everything, it's really hard to question Washington at all. They've overcome a lot of different tests uh, over these last few weeks, and and power to them for that. I mean, he, you know, Kalen DeBoer is just an amazing coach. He puts the he puts the game in his players' hands, like that fourth and one call late against Washington State, uh, and it's it's pretty incredible. Um, all that said. Since the Washington-Oregon game, Oregon has been a much, much better team than Washington. And so they're going to have to – Washington's going to have to play its best game since that first one if they want to actually pull this off. Because Oregon – you know, I, I don't remember what the line was the first time they played, but I know my, my SP Plus ratings had it, I think, Washington by two. Now it's got, like, Oregon by seven or something like that. Uh, that's how much the ratings have flipped in Oregon's favor uh, with the dominance they've shown and just the kind of the slog that Washington's found itself in. So, yeah, the, the, the momentum here is – certainly shifted but you know you still got to beat them washington still has it you know has it on their uh on their racket so to speak they can still get in if they if they win one more
Yeah, for sure. Bill Connolly of ESPN here on the big show, KTGR and KTGR.com. So all of those games happening this weekend makes it crazy enough. And then you add in the coaching carousel, which kind of has started as well this weekend and maybe more uh, profoundly at Texas A&M with them, I guess, finally deciding on who they were going to be bringing in to replace uh, Jimbo Fisher. We thought it was uh, Dabo at once. We thought it was Mark Stoops for sure uh, late on a Saturday night. And then all of a sudden, uh, no, Nope, it's Mike Elko instead. I just uh, the way that it happened seemed very crazy and very college football, Bill. <laughs> yeah, and and they ended up with an extremely logical hire too. That was the funny part of the whole thing. They had this weird chaos uh, that really produced a very normal result. And you know, if you're an A and M fan, you're really talking yourself into you know the best hire that A and M has made since Bear Bryant uh, was. R.C. Slocum, who was a defensive assistant, uh, you know, uh, succeeding a fired and very charismatic uh, weird guy in Jackie Sherrill. Well, Jimbo's the the weird guy who got fired, and now he you bring back one of his old DCs who did a heck of a job. Like I, I, I understand the logic here. I think Stoops would have been fine. Um, I thought people were kind of rebelling against uh, you know just the fact that he's been a head coach long enough to have some ups and downs, whereas Elko's just had kind of a a two year stretch here and has hasn't had as much chance to prove himself, but has proven you know what, what he's had a chance to do. He's done very well. So I, I think either one was going to be fine. Elko might be a little preferable, but either way, they got a good result after a weird process. Well, uh, I know from experience, it's hard to please Aggies sometimes. So, I mean, they they get what they get. So that we'll see if Mike Elko works out for him in the end. Uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN with us here on the Big Show KTGR. You can find him at ESPN underscore Bill C on Twitter and go read his stuff at ESPN.com with your plus subscription. Bill, thanks again for, uh, for coming on and talking college football with us. Enjoy the games uh, this week coming up, and we'll talk soon. Sounds good.